Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution, and it has touched all facets of our lives, personal, professional, and it's interesting to see, too, in the world of education. We're going to have the great experience today to talk to the Chief Financial Officer from Washington State University, Stacy Pearson. Stacy, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. It's a pleasure to have you. Hello, Bob. Thank you. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Stacy, um, gosh, the uh, for everybody, the last, what is it now, 20, 21 months have been, uh, I think disruption is a little bit of an understatement, but, you know, chief financial officer at a major university, it has to have sort of turned your world upside down. So I wonder if we could just start by telling us what's been going on and, you know, how has, uh, how have you dealt with that? And uh, boy, what a different world we're in today, huh? Oh, it really is. Uh, I still remember the day when it kind of occurred to us that, my goodness, we are heading into spring break and we have told students that they cannot return to campus. And from that moment on, uh, we had various committees and task force, you know, assigned to making decisions, to dealing with what needed to be dealt with on the next day. This went on, honestly, for months. Uh, I remember our president being pretty hopeful that, okay, we might have to move graduation uh, maybe to August, maybe to yeah. August of 2020 and, and us having to give him the bad news that this is just not going to be happening. <laughs> so just every aspect of, of what we were doing, uh, but mainly trying to take care of our students. That's really where we spend a lot, a lot of time and then setting up testing programs and and all sorts of things. So uh, yeah, it's it certainly wasn't something that was on my planning horizon. And uh, it really, I think, stretched all of us. But I'm actually, you know, just looking back on those last 20 months or so, uh, really proud of how we did. And, you know, there were days we said, oh, this is a disaster. We've handled this horribly. And then the next day we were a hero because, you know, something else happened. So we just learned to just work through it, breathe through it, and just keep on, let's just take on the next challenge, deal with that, and with the best information that we have, and move on. Well, uh, Stacey, in very stressful times, that sounds like a wonderful approach to take, and, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's fascinating, too, across all sorts of businesses and higher education. Um, in different ways, we've heard people say, you know, similar things that there were days, you know, you thought, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And then other days, it was like, you know what, we're starting to think about things differently. So I wonder, Stacey, could you talk about maybe uh, some uh, lean in a little bit more to what you said a moment ago about the the sort of the, the good things you learned about what was going on and how you've rolled those forward into the way the university operates today? Well, sure. So uh, one thing I mean to remember is that we deal with a lot of decisions, a lot of issues that we need to move forward, you know, like we were in the midst of implementing a new, um, a new uh, information system. But what we were dealing with here was more life and death issues, right, that we had to make decisions that kept people safe. So this was well beyond a lot of those, um, you know, other decisions that we have to make. And so, in a sense, dealing with those very serious issues of keeping students safe, keeping faculty and staff safe, when we started dealing with how are we going to operate in a way that 
was a little bit of a relief. Now, yeah. maybe my colleagues yeah. won't agree with me, but it was like, oh, okay, well, I can think about this because I'm not worried that, you know, we're going to make a decision that's going to have, you know, some, uh, you know, horrible outcomes or something. So uh, it helped, it helped in a way. And then I think also we really needed to listen to our employees, our faculty, our staff. We needed to listen to our students. Um, we have campuses in rural areas in, well, in the West in general, you know, lots of rural areas. So how are we going to deliver these programs remotely? So, you know, purchasing hotspots, uh, purchasing, sending uh, Chrome laptops out to everybody. Uh, this is something many of the institutions do. So I don't want to sound like we were unique there, but, you know, basically telling people in some rural areas, if you go to the parking lot of our extension center, you will have Wi-Fi <laughs> with your hotspot. Now think about that. Do you want to sit in your car and take your class? Probably not. I mean, this was not ideal, but it was still trying to deliver. Yeah. And that adaptability, Stacy, it sounds like something that uh, was a great skill to have. And at the same time, whether it's a university or a business, you've got to have some processes sort of locked down. You got to know, okay, we can plan, we can pay uh -huh. people, we can set schedules, we can be very rigorous about this. What's the role that perhaps, you know, technology has played in helping post-pandemic you to um, be able to get all this stuff locked down nicely? Well, I, I, I think use the term lockdown. I'm sorry. Let oh, me... yeah, <laughs> I, I understood what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, um, you know, I think it made a huge amount. I was going to say all the difference in the world, but it, but in a way, yes, because how we could communicate and how we could continue. I mean, I want you to think back to when you or your children were in college and this had happened would they have been able to attend school at all, mm -hmm. right? I mean, just think of the magnitude of that or the idea of you working remotely. I mean, it just wasn't possible. The interesting thing for us is we had just transitioned to Zoom for our large um, system-wide meetings, maybe six weeks before, six, well, maybe a little bit longer that because we were just saying, hey, this isn't this isn't a great experience for everybody because we're basically, we're um, viewing one conference room and those people who are remote are looking at the backs of other people's heads and all of that. So somebody said, hey, you know, these Zoom technologies, Microsoft Teams, this is the way to go. So we literally had just transitioned to that. And it, like I said, it, it made a huge difference because we had to be in constant contact as, as we went into the pandemic and make plans. And, you know, I just, think back to, you know, even a decade ago, how would we have done this? Yeah. And uh, even, you know, I think, Stacey, I've heard some people talk about this, you know, some folks that study IT organizations and all that. And if somebody had said to you, we need to switch before the pandemic, we need to uh, switch everybody in the organization to remote work and equipment to work from anywhere and so on. Uh, it looks like from some of the studies done that the general answer would have said this will take nine to 12 months and this will consume, you know, 25 to 30% of our budget. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's fascinating here you describe this. It almost sounds like in addition to achieving the, the safety of the entire community, right, from administration, faculty, students and others to setting up these technology capabilities from your big campuses, your remote campuses, you know, where 
uh, everybody could connect online. And then also, it seems, Stacey, you talked about this a little bit, the mindset about what's possible here and what could be done. That seems like, you know, a, a really powerful lesson that's come out of this. Yeah, and I think what it what it teaches us or has has taught us is we might be, um, you know, we, we might be more able to respond more quickly, you know, a little more nimble than we really thought we were. And again, a lot of that, um, particularly in, I mean, no, not particularly in my industry, I'll just speak about mine because we are a state public institution is, well, there's these rules about what you can do and what you can't do. And how can you move ahead and make sure that, you know, you don't want to be out of compliance, but this is a emergency situation. And so uh, that was a lot of the decision making is, well, can we do this? Well, let's think this through. If we want to keep the organization operating, if we want to continue um, signing contracts and things, yes, we're going to have to get used to digital signatures and, uh, you know, DocuServe and all of those. And, you know, where there was, we used to have a, oh, well, we can do certain documents this way, but not others. And it wasn't really clear as to why. Well, that we just said, you know, this is a valid legal signature. We've ch checked with the AG's office, move, we're just doing it. <laughs> yeah. Move. That, that seemed to be the, the idea in a lot of places. And so, Stacey, you know, as the chief financial officer, um, it sounds like you have been more than a little bit involved in some technology decisions at the university. Yes. In fact, when I came to Washington State University, one of the big issues and, and one of the reasons for, I think, my hire was that they wanted to implement a new cloud-based system, needed to move from a 40-year-old mainframe um, accounting and HR system to the cloud. And since I'd had that experience, they wanted, you know, to, to bring me in to do that. And of course, my thought was, hmm, do I really want to do this again? <laughs> but you know what fascinated me? I have to say this is in my previous uh, uh, position, we went from, you know, we went from mainframe to client server to cloud. Well, here I was like, maybe it's actually much more effective to go directly from mainframe to cloud because you get to miss all of those customizations that people promised back with client server days. And then I did another major project to get those customizations out so we could upgrade the product. Well, that was a big lesson learned, right? And these new cloud products, they don't let you do all of those customizations. So in a way, I was, I, I had this curiosity to see, wouldn't this actually be easier and less costly? I think the other side of that though, that, that we've experienced is the change is so vast. It's really that, that whole, um, you know, change management was much, much more prevalent in, in our implementation here at Washington State than it was for me before. And, and that those were the tough lessons we all learned before was you don't, you've got to understand what this does to your workforce when you yeah. really moved their cheese, right? On these new <laughs> yeah. systems. So um, that's, we actually spent more time on, um, on change management and engaging uh, across the campuses than um, I did in those previous projects. Yeah, and I, I think Stacey, that that's a that's a great point. It reflects what I think a lot of organizations are going through when they hear these things about 
oh, you know, what well, we're going to make a new, uh, deploy some new technology that the mindset in a lot of places, well, well, that's a technology project. Well, no, it isn't. It's, it's something that has a larger goal in place and the technology allows then that goal to be achieved. So I wonder if that, uh, is that something that maybe at Washington State University people understand here more that, right? Because in some cases where they try to say, oh, that's a tech thing. I don't have to get involved in it. But no, it's a, it's a process workflow mission and, you know, how we do things better here project. Oh, very much so. I mean, even though we talked about that a lot in the beginning of the project until you actually live it you know, you don't really know. And I would say our staffs, our deans, people all over the organization, faculty, they now get what we mean, that this is a big change in how they do their daily work and, you know, both the frustrations and the positives. I mean, immediately people were impacted by the fact that you did all of your leave reporting online. I mean, when I first came to WSU and I said, hey, I'd like to check out um, leave balances for my staff. And I was waiting, I was, I was at my computer looking for the screen and I heard a big thud and I turned around and somebody had dropped a box on my desk <laughs> and said, yeah, here it is. And I was like, what, you have paper leave slips? <laughs> So that immediacy of, oh, look, I can go in, I can put my leave in, my supervisor can approve it. Uh, and of course, we got the first thing right. And you know what that is. Everybody got paid. <laughs> right? Everybody got paid. I, yeah. I told people, I said, it doesn't matter what else we do, right <laughs> or wrong, but those first paychecks have to be correct and all of that. And I'm not going to say that they were 100% people had, to, but for the most part. And so um, I think that the campus immediately felt that benefit of, oh, this is great. I can look at my leave balances. I can, you know, approve, blah, blah, blah. But then it's, it's all of those other things that like, wait a minute, you mean I have to do this because it's, it's so different than the way I was doing it before, particularly on the accounting side, how to set up a grant. And here's the thing, systems like Workday require preciseness, right? You have to put in the right account code. You have to put in, you know, the right parameters. And I think with that older system, there was always somebody along the way who would correct it for you, who, you know, you would eventually get it right, you know, not so this way. It wasn't going to let that transaction yeah. move forward without the, you know, having that clarity of detail. But um, it, it's interesting. You mentioned that, Stacey. The last time I spoke to the um, one of the, the founders of Workday, Neil Bossery, one of the things he was saying was one of his new priorities was user interface he said so many people in business think or they they become accustomed to saying okay the new user interface is less bad than the old one and he said that, that was okay for a while he said but now in our personal lives we used to these dazzling fun enjoyable experiences we have and then it in the professional setting we don't want to go back to the all right it's not as bad as it used to be so that's got to be something that um, the precision on the one end, but the delight and the dazzling experience on the other end, it's, it's an, a remarkable combination. Well, it really is. And, and you make such a good point is most of us bank online, right? Yeah. We make our airline reservations online. So it just 
translating that to say, why shouldn't everything that we do at work be that way where I can see, I can follow my transaction. I mean, we still have, have the discussions about, well, the reason you don't have your transaction complete is it's on so-and-so's desk, right? <laughs> the good old it's on so-and-so's desk, right? And then there's the let's go chase down the, the paperwork and all of that. Well, here you can click on and say, yeah, it's right there. It's in your queue. <laughs> You're the one who has to approve it. I can follow that transaction around. And so yeah. all of a sudden there's just accountability everywhere. And it's not so much a central office function to make sure everything is correct. And that's been one of the toughest things to say, you know, the preciseness, the accuracy of the transact uh, transaction starts with the people who know the business side of what is going on. When you're out in a college and you're setting up a grant, those are the people who, you know, have that information. And then the transaction flows through and goes through all of its checks and balances. Well, that that was change, not not in not not for everyone, but for a lot of people, and it's been fascinating to me to watch both here at Washington State and at my prior institution how over time there were people who just really embraced this new system, just couldn't wait. Oh, look at this! This is great, and others who who have said, "I just can't do my job. I just can't." find where anything is. And I'm not saying that the system's perfect because we are still in stabilization at WSU and will be, we've, we've moved stabilization to be about a year and a half post go live because we went live with both HR and finance. So, you know, we're, we're digging through and finding, you know, all sorts of uh, things that can be improved, but a lot of it is also just getting people comfortable with this is how a transaction goes in and this is what is required for it to move forward. So the, everything from house calls to, you know, online training to the things that we need to help people get through this, again, challenged by the pandemic, because, you know, we aren't really go, we for a long time, we weren't really going out to help somebody through a transaction. We were jumping on a Zoom, we were kind of troubleshooting that type of thing. Yeah. So we were implementing a new system and learning a new way to work at the same time. And it sounds like, Stacey, for you, you were... Uh, you know, you've done some of it before, but the the traditional CFO role is, it sounds like, at least in your case, is, is quite different, right? On the one hand, you're fairly involved with now uh, technology strategy, if not, right, having to be the person who understands all the, the specifics of this stuff, but is this the right tool to achieve the outcomes we want down the road? And then also, so if, if it was finance and HR, are you having more interactions with the, the HR team at Washington State? Oh, absolutely. Um, because we we worked on this together. You know, we basically did the full project as uh, you know a big uh, team, and so I was as um, as much in, involved in the human resources side as I was finance, but I had two key leaders for each of those areas. And I will uh, let you know, I was, I'm the executive sponsor of the project. So it is uh, both the technology side, uh, running the steering committee meetings and overseeing the project is in, in my purview, yes. So you've had some, uh, you know, uh, quasi CIO, quasi CHRO experience. You've been through this pandemic uh, you've got new systems there and new ways of looking at things, new experiences for people all across the campus. What's the, 
what's the future role of CFOs? You know, Stacey, if you look at just some of this over the last year and a half, and then in general moving forward, how is that going to play out for CFOs, whether in higher ed or in, in other parts of, uh, of the economy? Well, I would just say if they weren't before, CFOs are truly the strategic partners of the university. It's, um, you know, and it's not just in, in the area of finance and administration, but these silos, they're having to be broken down because we are very reliant on each other. You know, I, I mentioned I was the executive sponsor. There is no way we would have been successful without the, the knowledge and expertise of our chief information officer and his team, our chief human resources officer and her team, and, um, and in finance and administration. I mean, the, I'm, I, the way I kind of put it is I help keep the trains on time. I, I get resources. I do the presentations up to executive level and with our regents. Um, but I am not the doer. I am completely reliant on the expertise of, of these folks. And then we had a, a very good uh, steering committee also. So th this idea that we will be in that role of helping make these big strategic decisions. And I might deal with the budget side of it. I might help deal with the technology side of it. I'm certainly going to be involved in the personnel and, and human resources side of it, uh, not because I'm knowing all of that, but because they're all so interrelated and so yeah. interdependent. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, what you just said there, Stacey, gosh, I've heard that so much more and more um, that any sort of organization, university, a business, whatever it might be, that there were these silos that built it that developed over time and how they operated, right? And you'd have a little bit of an idea what goes on in the department next year's very little idea, you know, two steps out, but that more and more as either the, the customer experience and the employee experience becomes so central to the success of organizations, we've got to have those end-to-end -end views. So I think Absolutely. you just captured that really nicely there. That it's That seems like it's something that, you know, a university really has to master today. Well, and for many reasons. So technology Technology is just one of those, but uh, I'm sure that you've had discussions about the uh, great enrollment cliff of, is it 2025 or 2026, when there will be fewer 18-year-olds in the United States and declining from there due to low birth rates and the lower birth rates in the 80s and the 90s. So for many reasons, and, and we talk about this on my campus is, hey, we're basically preparing right now for that enrollment cliff because we did have a decline in enrollments uh, over the pandemic and we're having to change our approach and how we're going to recruit, recruit and retain students and students are letting us know what their expectations are. Yeah, um, can I ask you, Stacey, related to that, as we, we chatted just before we, we uh, began the recording, you were talking about a difference in the mindset between that experience that students want, right? And say, hey, our offices are open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. so that you can come in across that, what is that nine hour area, but that's not how the students were looking at it, right? Right, uh, when we heard from our students, it was, well, I would like to do these transactions online and I'd like to be able to do them at 11 p.m. or 2 a.m. Uh, and we thought to ourselves, oh, so you want to talk to somebody at 11 p.m. or 2? Well, not necessarily, but they'd like to have access to the tools and then would like to know that somebody might be on call at that, um, you know, at that point in time. And so it really, 
you know, we were so anxious to get back in person, certainly for the academic side for the classes, but what we were, and, you know, for the in-person experience for our students, but we were hearing from them, would you just make a lot more of this accessible to us so we can do it in our, you know, on our own and in our own rooms, because they too were concerned about, you know, ex exposure and, and all of that, but they just wanted to have that flexibility. And so uh, this is where they really uh, taught us what it was they would really like. Yeah. Um, and as Stacy, as we, you know, start to wrap up here a little bit, I just wanted to be sure to get your thoughts on a couple of high level views. One is, could you talk a little bit about where you see the higher ed industry going, right? It's both some challenges and opportunities. You mentioned the enrollment cliff. And then also your role of CFO. What, what is this modern role of the CFO, right? So from industry to, to your profession. Yes. Well, I think, I think higher education, um, we're, I was going to say we're in for a lot of change. We're already in the midst of it. I, I don't think there's anybody who would deny that. I have to say when I went to the last time I went to an in-person conference, I think that was a while ago. Um, and the big topic was mergers and acquisitions. Well, I remembered that back from my, you know, my uh, education process about mergers and acquisitions, but certainly hadn't heard about it in higher ed so much. And not that I think that that's um, anything, you know, that Washington State is looking at, but there are a lot of institutions where, and, and honestly, uh, we're looking at our community college partners and saying, how can we integrate this? And I think that institutions will work more and more with, with those partners to see how can you create that full educational experience for these students? Because I think that uh, the flexibility that students want, and frankly, right now they need, they may be place bound for a certain reason, but should that inhibit them from moving from a community college program to a university program and on, I think we have to pay a lot of attention to all of those dynamics. And we have to get, it's not just the silos within, you know, within the um, institution, but it's the silos within our industry as a whole that, uh, you know, we've got the online providers already our students aren't going to want to go say, oh, good, I'm glad you're back in person. We don't want to sign them up for any more online classes. Quite the contrary. They want the whole gamut. I want to be able to attend in person. I want to be able to take these online classes. A particular challenge we're dealing with at, at my institution is I want to be able to enroll for any class at any campus within the system and not have inhibitions or, you know, um, have challenges because, oh, well, and this is something that's been heard before, the budget model doesn't support this. Well, we have to take care of that. We have to have the type of processes and systems in place that enable that. And that's what will, will uh, help us attract students is that they say, hey, I can get everything done that I need to get done here. The competition is fierce. You know, I, um, walking in downtown Seattle some time ago and I looked up I there was this nice building I looked up and it said Northeastern University <laughs> <laughs> that's my point is every you know Washington is a state that will probably have a higher uh, graduation number of 18 year olds uh, during that enrollment cliff period so people are setting up shop here to help you know to recruit students so we 
where we may have been accustomed being the land grant university that students pretty much came to WSU that that maybe certainly there were recruitment efforts, but they're going to definitely have to intensify and expand as we move forward. Yeah. And then for you, Stacey, as CFO, that that presents, I guess some people would call them challenges, opportunities, but it's got to be a pretty exciting uh, adventure coming up for you here. That that sounds like a very different world to move into and a lot of things to figure out and to get those right. Well, it is, but it, you, you know, really what the role is, again, not just strategic partner, but um, when, when I first came to WSU, the, my role wasn't involved in enrollment management at all. And in fact, there were others who weren't involved who I said, hey, we really need to focus on strategic enrollment management. And that is going to involve people, you know, well outside of the enrollment management department, because we've got to think about how we recruit strategies for, um, you know, for financial aid and things like that. And so, uh, you know, I need to be well-versed in enrollment management strategies as much as in what is our what are our research goals what are our protocols you know like you said human resources international programs i mean i'm involved in all of those things and i think the cfo of the future will be more so it isn't you you are the days of us being you know maybe accountants and doing the budget and running maybe the facilities and and some of those areas are um, really um, gone. I mean, that's part of our portfolio, obviously, but at the CFO level, you have to be very, very involved. Everything's going to involve money. It's all going to involve technology, high-level decisions about impacts, the need for data analysis, and all of that. So I think it's very exciting, actually, and I think that it's a welcome change that those silos will be broken down, not just for the CFO, but for other leaders at the, at the campuses. And, and Stacey, from, you know, some of the things you've said in this conversation that when the silos go away, it isn't just that they go away and nothing else changes where you see things that you never saw before you have access thing, to things that were unavailable for you have collaboration opportunities that weren't possible before. And there's sort of a collective uh, increased focus that can be placed on things like enrollment or like student life, you know, where's the mission, you get more people being able to think about things in different ways. And I think that that's uh, in any sort of a business, any sort of big organization like, the, you know, Washington State University, that I think opens up the door to new ways of thinking, new possibilities of where you go in what are clearly some challenging times, right? As you talked about the enrollment cliff and imagine trying to attack that with the old ways uh, that things were run where, it, you know, nobody except the people in that specific niche were looking at it. And now you can apply all that brain power and teamwork across the leadership of the university to try to get that right. That's that, I see why you say it's such an exciting future. Well, it is. And also, um, I'm thinking a lot about career path, how we attract people to the industry, staff to our industry. And, um, 
it, it should be a lot more exciting and dynamic career path that we would welcome somebody coming into the finance office who had been out at a college and, or who had worked in student affairs, that, that those skill sets are going to be more important to us you know, as we evolve as campuses to not, you know, you're not just coming in because you know the budget, that we really are encouraging our staff and um, across the campuses to really engage in the different aspects of the university. I, I think that's as much as breaking down of breaking down the silos as it is, you know, just the, the collaborations across units, but it's really, charting out a career path to say you might come in and work for a college you might come and work in central services for a while maybe you're going to go to the research office and you're going to build a portfolio that's going to uh, enable you to become the next cfo because you have that broad campus experience well stacy it's been a terrific conversation thank you i wondered if there's anything that you wanted to add before we wrap up Oh, I appreciate that. I just, I appreciate this conversation because, um, you know, I was going merrily along prior, prior to the pandemic thinking, hey, we're really doing this. We're achieving these goals. You know, we, we did a three-year uh, fiscal recovery program at WSU. We were headed for a successful go live and then the, uh, on uh, workday and then the pandemic hit and it really just upended things. But again, it gave us this opportunity just to, to test on a daily basis. How about this? How about that? And I think that the in the long term, this is going to really be a positive impact on our industry and probably organizations worldwide, making us more adaptive, making us more collaborative because of that interdependency and reliance that we're going to have. So I actually see a lot more positive uh, for the future, um, you know, and this, this, given this opportunity to learn. Maybe we one we wouldn't have um, you know, picked, but that we can take advantage of that um, you know, have, has really enabled us to make some of these positive changes. I love that outlook, Stacy. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. Uh, Want to be sure to thank all of you for being with us here on this episode of Cloud Wars Live and our friends at Workday for uh, connecting you and me together, Stacy, and also sponsoring this episode. So thank you so much. It's been terrific. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed the discussion and I really appreciate the opportunity that you gave me for this. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Stacy. thanks so much. Thanks to all of you folks. We'll see you soon. <laughs>